welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here for another thrilling, tantalising Deja Review spoiler special. This month's film, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery, released in 1997 and chosen by Steve McCall. And of course, joining me for this is my number two man, Steve number two. <laughs> A very good evening to you. <laughs> good evening. And joining him as well, we have Scott, a lot of vagina armor. A lot of vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, there's an error in that because if she is Italian, it technically should be vagina. Oh, right. Okay. Because they pronounce the I-E. Because oh. obviously you get spaghetti. Ah, see, so there you go. That's why you come to this podcast for the real facts. <laughs> that's it. That's me done for the night. See yeah. you later, boys. Yep. yep. So Fran, of course, is due to join us. Um, at some point he'll interrupt, I'm sure. Um, but for now, we'll continue on the three of us. So Steve, you chose this film. I was glad with this choice because it mixes things up a bit. We've mostly done sci-fi action kind of films so now we've got a comedy in there and of course we've done all the bond films in uh, exhaustive detail so it's nice to have a film that riffs and parodies the bond franchise it feels like the logical step so yeah let's go let's go on with this we're going to go into spoiler detail on this film it's a, a comedy classic uh in some in the eyes of some and uh yeah let's go into it so mm -hmm. i was going to ask how much is in the bond jar Oh, right, and yeah. The, the bomb well, job, because I feel, it's been I feel it's going to get full yeah. after this podcast anyway. So, yeah, the money, uh, every time we mention Bond or reference the Bond franchise, we fill the jar. I suspect maybe... <laughs> oh, God, it, you may as well take my credit card now. <laughs> yeah, this might be a bit of a cheat, I think. Maybe we have to suspend that um, for this one. Um, right, so let's start with the usual credentials what is our history with this film uh steve we'll start with you so as you chose this uh what was your did you see this when it first came out or was it later on i i didn't I, genuinely i think i saw this for the first time it might have been earlier this year it was long after we'd completed all the bond films and we talked about austin powers and i think i was in on my own one night with Amazon Prime and thought I'm gonna go back and actually watch because I was aware of Austin Powers. If you know there were kids at school who'd seen it, and everyone would quote all of the uh, um, all the you know the, the phrases and stuff from it. And actually, the one I think I remember most was um, the Spy Who Shags Me because that's the one I think that was when I was in high school that I came out, and that's the one that I vaguely remember watching in school. Or I'd, I'd, I'd seen that one at least once or twice. But the first one, International Man of Mystery, I don't think I'd seen until earlier on this year. Um, and I, I watched it purely to try and just check out some of the Bond references after we'd watched all the films. Um, and I was like, you know, yeah, this is funny. I can see what they're doing here. That must have been so strange. I can't even fathom that, you know, because... I mean, I guess that is for what mo it was for most people when the film came out. The Bond films were a known thing at this point. You know, mm -hmm. there were how many films in? They were at the beginning of Brosnan's tenure, really, when the Austin Powers made his mark. And for me, this film uh, was it was it was the Spy Who Shagged Me, the sequel that was when I suddenly. I went to the cinema with some friends to see it and suddenly this Austin Powers thing blew up and I went and sought out the first one. And for a while I couldn't tell which was the, the my favourite of the two. As time has passed, uh, the first one is, is my favourite. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really do enjoy this film. Um, so yeah, and I, I think I had it on video and possibly DVD as well and I would just re-watch it and things like that. So it, has, it was a common... Uh, a common film in, in my family. Scott, what about yourself? 
Uh, quite similar to Steve. I think i seen the spy who shagged me first and then went back to Austin Powers. But listen, you're in school, the playground, everyone was, you know, doing the yeah, baby and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. and the, you know, the Dr. Evil. Um, maybe, maybe the spy who shagged me sort of... I don't know if that sort of resonated with us more because of a certain uh, overweight uh, male. Mm. Um, yeah. Born out of wedlock. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think I think that one kind of hit more, but I'm kind of the same with you, Steve. I think I've not seen this by who shagged me recently, but I think I prefer my, and, and I, I, certainly Goldmember uh, for me would be... It kind of would be last. Um, I agree. Yeah, but but I think I think international man of mystery. I probably I probably prefer it because I, I just think I think they they took the sort of cheesy slapstick sketches to another level in the next one, and it just kind of became about that. Um, I remember yeah. always thinking, as much as there's some funny stuff with some of the new characters, like say Fat Bastard and. Uh, mini me i remember on my rewatch later on of the second film that a lot of the jokes felt redone from the first film mm. like it wasn't quite as original as maybe i would have liked the first film is for me very original um obviously being a parody as as much as it can be um the, i think the first film hits so much because it's the it's the first time you really see um or hear uh you know mike myers do the the Austin Powers, you know, all the quotes. Yeah, baby, you know. Yeah, it um, set the character up. Do I so make well. you horny, baby? And yeah. then, and then, unfortunately, but I think, I think one of the things that's that a film is like this, especially a comedy, and that it's so quotable uh, and referential, is like the fans almost kill it because everyone just makes those, everyone yeah. just quotes it. It's quoted to death. It's mentioned to death. So when the next film comes and the joke or the scene is around Austin Powers just saying he's 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 he's, he's sort of punchline or whatever. It, it yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really hit because you're kind of like, all oh, right, okay, he's just saying the same thing that he said, you know, in the first film. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, you know, but as I say, it's still it's still good. But I think because the first one, you're you're new to the character, especially with Doctor Evil as evil as well. Um, yeah, I'd definitely say the first one hits. Right, so Fran seems to have joined the call. He's on mute. Uh, okay, now he's not on mute. Uh, joining us for this, uh, are, uh, they're always after his lucky charms, Francis O'Halloran and <laughs> Paddy Murphy. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Um, stop teasing me about that advert. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. For <laughs> <laughs> sake, man. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I... Um... Your credentials, Fran, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. What, what was your history with this film? Well, I'm similar um, to some of the stuff I heard because I came in a wee bit late, but um, I went to see it when I was in high school, the second film, um, Spy Shagged Me. So I went to see that in the cinema with a friend, basically. That's pretty much the We were, the we were supposed story, to go and really? see it. We, we were actually... The thing was, right, because of the age we were at the time, we, we sort of... We told our mums we were going to see something else. <laughs> and then we went to see that. Um, and it was... It was hilarious. It was like a riotous experience at that age to go in. You felt like you were doing something you shouldn't really be doing when you were went to the cinema on your own to see something like that. Yeah, I mean, what, the age were you like thirteen then? Twelve, thirteen, sort of age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the, so, the title kind of the title kind of probably put a lot of uh, people off, didn't it? Parents. Like, yeah. I like, think I'm pretty sure I read that. Like it, it was actually banned. Um, or they had to specifically change the name. But I think the best one I read was the spy who dot 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 me. Oh, God. <laughs> and there was another one where it was. How would the you even spy. say that? 
I know. No, it's, but it's open to inter- with a spy who ellipses me. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> but aye, aye, it was definitely a. I, I liked it. I like it. It kind of sets the tone, doesn't it? It's like, right, well, listen, we're dealing with Austin Powers, and it's the spy who shagged me. Total spoof on Bond. Um, but I can imagine why maybe some parents at the time were like, hmm. Well, it just goes to show how times change because nowadays people wouldn't bat an eye at that. They wouldn't bat an eye at all, you know? Whereas back then it was still a wee bit more. It was maybe a uh, more kind of. Mm, no, I don't discussion. know. I, I, I don't know if the I don't know if the woke crowd would would jump on that. Maybe. Yeah, I think that name. I mean, I just can't see that. Oh yeah, you're right. That. Well, I suppose yeah. I suppose it would be controversial for an entirely different reason nowadays. Um, but the um, I I, I loved when to see that, and then again, I saw the first film after. Yep. So, uh, in a way, I suppose, and weirdly enough, I think seeing the Spy Who Shagged Me and then seeing the first film is the best way to do it because. The first film, if you watch the first film first, it makes the second one land different. Mm. Like when you, you know what I mean? Like I, I love the second film. Sorry, I, I don't know if I'm making any sense. I love the second film precisely because it was the first one I saw. Yes, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. So then going back and watching the first one was like a treat because it was, yeah. it was oh, where did this all come from? But um, watching it again, I just, <laughs> it was just... It's just a ridiculous film, isn't it? I mean, some of the things that happen, like when he punches the mum in the face and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, man! That's you know, my mother. It's just stuff like you could you could tell that they were they're having a blast in the writers' room coming up with these things. You know, just what's the most outrageous thing that could happen here? You know, just daft. And um, I think it was I, I think it was enjoyable watching it again. Funnily enough, there wasn't really much watching the first one. International Man of Mystery is, isn't it? The first one where, for some reason, the title never sticks with me. For the spy who shagged me, just stands it's, out. Like this, you know, but International Man of Mystery is quite an elongated yeah. title. It's probably not the. Yeah. I mean, most people just call it Austin Powers or the first Austin Powers yeah. film. Yeah. It is a clunky um, subtitle. I actually do think they could have done yeah. better with that. I mean, I, I basically like. I don't know. I, I was watching it surprised, thinking, "Hmm, I'm not really cringing at this as much as I thought I would," yeah. which was quite. Interesting. I, I was expecting to watch it after so many years and be like, oh god, that's just pure IO nonsense or whatever. But think, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of points. We'll get to them. Yeah. We can get to where it's dated in the in the sense yeah. that we always do with the Bond stuff. There's definitely a couple of moments, but by and I large, you're right. Of, I it's think kind it's of saved in the sense that uh-huh, it's, it's a so obviously yeah. meant to be ridiculous, yeah. you know. They can get away with it. I think uh-huh. they can I think they, they set up the rules so quickly early on they can just basically like, you know, and even now when the jokes and stuff, and I suppose if the woke crowd were looking at it and you know this rampant uh you know overly sexed up fucking guy with, you <laughs> well, know that's, yeah, but stuff that's because it. that's the point but of it, the film but they, but they set it up so you're kind of like oh you, you can it's difficult to be offended by that but because you know, it literally is a piss take do you want to hear something the freakiest thing for me was realizing watching it that that film like see if you think about it the 60s to the 90s was about as far apart as the 90s are to now that's it so you literally as a man from the 60s, the swinging 60s, and the 90s. So again, uh, they, set, they set up those rules, so it's like... But it's the the thing that freaks me out is that from the 90s to now is almost as long again. Aye, aye. You know what I mean? Like, different, is, yeah. You know, I mean, like, if it just goes to show, if somebody came out of ice from the 90s, they would not fit in. You know mm. what I mean? Like, you know, could you imagine a version of that today? Like, what that would be like? But it was, it was kind of weird because... The gulf between the sixties and the nineties was a lot bigger than the gulf between the nineties and now. I would say. In a well, lot you could of measure you could measure it in just the Jurassic Park franchise. Yeah, 
we got Jurassic Park one in the nineties, and look what fucking drivel we're getting now. <laughs> yeah, but but I don't know. I mean, it was just it was interesting, wasn't it? Because the way they were talking about the sixties in the film, right? It was like it was another another eon of humanity's yeah. history. Whereas now, if we look back at the nineties, it just seems like the other day. Mm. So it's it's well, like I mean, I would like say our that. perception. Well, I think our perception of things has changed a bit. But I suppose like Austin Powers is a man out of time in a way that is is so it's perfectly done, isn't it? Because he's oh, just, hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I dare say even a normal guy from the sixties probably wouldn't have fit, fitted in in the nineties very well, let alone Austin Powers. Yeah. But, well, it's, 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 if, you, if you imagine if taking sixties Sean Connery. Freezing him <laughs> and then bringing him into nineties, um, like I don't know, taking Sean Connery from Doctor No and implanting him into Goldeneye. And yeah, you're right. He he would he not would just, get would on. He'd be abusing he black people and country women. And <laughs> even Pierce Brosnan's going, "What the fuck are you doing, man? You can't." By do the way, that. just just to be clear, I'm not laughing at abusing black people. I'm laughing at the very <laughs> audacity of the idea. We figured that, don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> just making sure for the audience. Yeah. By the way, I love the setup I'm seeing in front of me. Obviously, nobody can see this, but what I can see is three guys sitting at this sort of t- tiki bar you, type place. Why, why, why is... What? Have you not... still got that? <laughs> yeah, it's shown yeah, that it's for me what? as well. Is it not for you? Did we change it? I, back to I got rid of that. <laughs> I thought, because I started by accident, I thought I... Keep, keep it going, I love it. I love it. Oh. Like, <laughs> I've changed mine to grid view again, but uh, I wasn't what sure. I'm, what I'm going to do is... Um, <laughs> I'm going to send you a photo on the group WhatsApp real quick just to show you what, I, what I'm seeing and how funny it actually looks. <laughs> Steve McCall looks gigantic compared to everybody else for some reason. Okay, that's not the um, same as mine. So I've sent it through. <laughs> I don't know if you can see that. But yeah, anyway, sorry, I completely derailed the conversation. I want to check this chat. Uh... Yes, yeah, it's, it's on the WhatsApp. Oh, the literally, we literally look as if we're there. <laughs> that, is, that is quite realistic. I tell you what, that would be a not bad setup for posting these on YouTube. That'd be good. Yeah, that's true. Except for the fact that you guys have cocktails and I'm in the middle and I don't have anything. <laughs> I love how intense you look, Steve. <laughs> that's that's far too serious for a I, I, I don't fit the vibe. <laughs> yeah. I'm like the businessman that's turned up to the tiki bar. Aye, we need to get the we need to get the, the flor, uh, flowery shots on. Yeah. Yes. Right. Definitely. I've got one on, obviously you can't the... see it. I've, I should have yes. worn my loud shirt, Scott, that I wore to your uh, stag. Aye. Uh, Aye. Well, bright green. I maybe borrow the. Oh, no, in fact, we had the same one, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, was it you? We, had, uh, someone had the same yeah, one. I think we, it was you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we bought the same one. Great taste. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Great taste. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so we've covered our credentials of this film. Let's get into the, 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 the sort of nitty gritty of it. I guess. Yeah, baby. Yeah, there we go. I know. I'm worried this is just going to become a podcast. I know. Um, I know. Like, there's so much to cover, but we also don't want to take to it. I suspect. A comedy shouldn't take too long. Let's not go over the hour and a half mark for this one, I promise, this time. Right, so I guess we start with the main intro, the dance, that massive sort of like fantastic, <laughs> the music kicking in, like... How, how what a great way to start a film, I think. It was I, cracking it's me huge up, smile. like watching the police somersaulting about and all that. <laughs> yeah. Just mad. <laughs> it's, it's almost like they took the elements of what would be a standard Bond theme, where you've got the... The colourfulness, the dancing women, the music, but almost kind of brought it into real life. Yeah, aye, like it's um, it's really good. Aye, exactly. And the the theme as well, the um, soul bossing over Quincy Jones. I mean, it's just that is 
I, I don't know if that was composed for Austin Powers or if that was one of his tunes that they took, but it's it's now it's intrinsically linked with him. It's iconic. It's like, it is the Austin Powers theme song, isn't it? Almost. Yeah. Aye. Like I can't imagine it being for anything else. It's it, that's just mind boggling. If it is, I, we should maybe check that out actually. Um, and again, and again, it's it's the it just sets the tone, doesn't it? Because it's just like right. Well, if no one you're going into this, you don't know what it's about. The title suggests that it's you know a spy, something about spy, maybe linked to James Bond. But well, you've got the, the you've got the pre-title sequence. The pre-title sequence, not it? The scene from Thunderball, yeah, where they're all sitting around the table. That That's came it. before the title. Oh yeah, good shout. Okay, let's let's start with that. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was like, I, I think there was something before the title right. to sort of set it up. You're yeah, right. you're right. Totally. To kind right. of, I think that kind of definitely cements the idea that because you, it almost kicks in with a kind, the, the kind of sort of full Bond villain <clears throat> from the start. So that, uh, that's the, yeah the scene where he's, he's how they failed him and he essentially takes out all the assassins nearly yeah right. exactly oh, yeah, Thunderball still using the the buttons for the the chairs uh huh like and the Except imagery that... like is so perfect I mean it's obviously he's got the Bond villain tunic uh, the Doctor Evil costume pretty Aye. much is that like it's obviously mock you can't see his face yeah Aye, he's yeah. got the cat <laughs> Mister Biggles one <laughs> I know it's such a, such a great character like it's so good they absolutely <laughs> nailed it. I totally forgot that. So does the scene? So is that the scene where you've got Will Ferrell and he gets he gets put down and and, and gets bummed and then you get the I'm oh I'm still alive. That's that, a little bit no, later. That's later that after so he, he doesn't survive and Frank Bissonnette are kept. He's like I've kept you because that's I need right. you to kill Austin Powers. And then it cuts to <laughs> the dance central, isn't it? That's how we introduce yes. the ah, hero of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh fantastic like what a way to introduce both villain and uh and the hero mm. pretty much like very quickly and again that's why i love this film they, they mike myers and jay roach the director really absolutely nailed uh, you know the everything about the characters like the the the, the sort of obviously the, the writing but also costume and the music everything ties together so well uh well austin, uh, austin powers was a it was the original concept was a band called Ming T. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a Saturday Night Live. And it's funny the 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 lead. I think she's the lead guitarist and backing singer. She's in Ming T, and it's actually Jay Roach is her husband. So he's he's right. the director. Uh-huh. Um, and then go. they. I think I don't think they are. They're the band who you see, you know, that you kind of get the interludes when it's the the crazy the music and these sixties transitions. Yeah. yeah, they're the band that's that's playing. But I think they I think they get bigger roles as the franchise goes on i'm pretty sure i'm not sure what the, the lady's name is but um the guitarist she's she becomes felicity shagwell wait felicity no. shagwell played by heather graham her mother i'm not sure if it's the first name felicity right. shagwell's heather graham but she plays a shagwell oh, okay and the, the next one uh, yeah like credits the end credits scene and the, during the credits has the the band i'm sure and it's that bbc, BBC one <laughs> BBC two, yeah. BBC three, BBC seven, yeah. BBC heaven. Yeah. What a song, by the way! I totally forgot about that song. I know, totally. It was... yeah. and the fact that they foreshadowed BBC three, four, and then, uh, <laughs> and then it was just like, right, where's the rest? That's right, because I was thinking as I was watching, I was like, were those channels even around? Like, I want. I, I tell you what, I want right now, right? I want BBC heaven. That's what I want. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think that's the live stream of the Queen of the Woman, is it? Yeah, I was about to say that. Too soon. 
Steady. <laughs> Uh, right, so yeah, we've obviously got um, the sort of the, the big music number, which I love, and obviously all the the dancing and the just oh, Mike Myers in full massive grin, floppy hair mode with all the crazy dance moves, which the I love. Teeth, the uh, teeth, the teeth. Well are just like, oh my god, man! It's like <laughs> the 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 idea that this man is a sex symbol is just hilarious. I know, I know, it's just hilarious. <laughs> I know, um, but the fact that they set it up like that is brilliant because obviously he goes into the nineties expecting that kind of reception, that kind it. of Hi. love, and it just isn't there. So set it up to that extent right at the start, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly, and it's, it's such a pacey start to it because obviously it's not long really after that dance sequence we have him and uh, Mrs. Kensington in the car where he gets the, the, the video message through the car from Basil Exposition which I Good evening Basil I spent so long trying to like research the significance of that name because I was convinced it was probably a, a link to or a, a piss take of a Bond name but I think the best I think explanation I can find is yeah. aye, an exposition is just a long sort yeah. of it's just, clear explanation of something it's, yeah it's just a... yeah it's basically what happens in a story it's like <clears throat> it's like it's frowned upon in movies when characters just tell the story to somebody else yeah aye but it's basically what he does yeah, yeah that's his function though <laughs> Larry Waston that's basically, basically an expository character yeah, so that's kind of the joke on it for sure. I love what it. I find funny is the fact that Mrs. Kensington is immortal because she looks exactly the same. Exact same. <laughs> <laughs> <Thirty> years later, <laughs> and it's like, it's, why have you never modelled for me, Miss Kensington? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like imagine saying that to your co-worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> What's you know, funny is Austin Powers genuinely comes across as a bit, a bit like a, a, an idiot, doesn't he? Most of the time. I mean, he's like he's basically the guy at parties or the guy that you you meet that you you're like, oh my god, what's he going to say? Mm-hmm. This guy cannot control himself from saying anything. Well, and so far, drugs doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It's in, in the nineties. That's why that's the the joke, isn't it? But like, I I do I do love that. Even as she said, well, my husband <laughs> wouldn't appreciate that. You know what he would think about that? And he's like, oh, be hey, you know that. That, that was it. So so I think the fir- I think on watching it now. I think that scene where it hangs on Austin Powers's face, for me, it just hangs on it a wee bit too long. And I just mean now, so you, as an adult watching yeah, that. We, we spoke um, about this recently. You've got an issue with some of the timing of some of these, the jokes, I, and it's the would, elongated I, nature, is it? I wouldn't say the timing. It's just it's just more of a... Um, I, I probably just notice it more now um, rather than I would back then, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, does it, it, it? I think it detracts on some of the jokes and some of the scenes I think most notably the the bizarre Carrie Fisher cameo that I just completely forgot yeah couldn't um, believe it and, 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 and that whole scene between Dr. Evil and Scott I think now it, for whatever reason it just never worked for me it just didn't work the, it's um, so out of place yeah, yeah like, which, which one work. are you talking about the therapy scene or the one the, thera- the yeah. therapy session yeah I just I, I don't know why it just seemed as if there was a lot of hanging on the 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 sort of see the you know the Doctor Evil would say something and then it hangs on him same with Scott it kind of looks at Carrie Fisher she looked it it seemed although the enti- although the entire film is basically a sketchbook of Saturday Night Live right let's face it it's literally like thirty sketches put together that was the one that I kind of thought again now 
it never really never really hit for me so i know that i remember um listening to a podcast i think i don't know what podcast it was talking about comedy and there's some thinking in these kind of jokes where you let a joke go on for a while it becomes unfunny but if you let it go on for so long that it actually comes around again and is funny again because it somehow went on so long that that somehow adds to the joke. Uh, I don't know if it does that in this film per se, but I didn't mind some of the the sort of elongated sequences. I remember things like the the evil group laugh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, like I that mean, kind of stuff. But it just kind of uh, is awkward. That's the point, isn't it? It just sits yeah. awkwardly staring at you know. We're and looking... again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm only saying a few scenes here. You know, I'm not saying yeah. that every scene had that impact. I'm just saying that for whatever reason the that specific scene, the you know the therapy session, it, it just it it just didn't work for me. Um, but I think I think like Fran said at the start, I think quite a lot of the scenes and the jokes and the gags, I I wasn't really cringing. Maybe a couple, but I, I wasn't like, oh my god, I can't watch this. This is terrible. How what was I thinking to it? You know, it was more of a kind of like an eye roll with a smile, if that makes sense. Like that's kind of the reaction I was getting now as like a grown man, but. It's still endearing, more of an endearing reaction. Yeah, like when he's coming out of the of. So obviously, you know, everyone knows the plot if they've watched the film, and they both him and Doctor Evil cryostasis reawoken thirty years later, and it's oh, the, the Ode to Demolition Man, right there. Yeah. Yes, and you know, it's the the funny stuff that they go through. There's a celebrity wing of of people frozen and ice, ice uh, vanilla ice. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you know it's that kind of thing a couple of them you know aren't as funny because they're that was maybe funny and the they were very i think just the idea of the british government freezing random celebrities just freezing is quite celebrities. funny yeah. in, in and of itself like what you know? would be the purpose that you have to reawaken them if austin powers <laughs> was done for to save the world you know, from a terrorist or whatever exactly i know what what we've run out of good music vanilla so what do we need gary coleman for gary coleman yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, um, what, what, talking about jokes that went on too long i thought the pete now when he was peeing and, and that thing that was one of the ones where i was like yeah, i, I kind of laughed, at, I laughed yeah. at it then and then after a while i was like Mm-hmm. come on move on let's move on to the next one you know mm-hmm. that was another one I, because I, I knew i mean i, I remember I, I still like that just because you know that's the point is it's ridiculously long and i kind of i think that i didn't i didn't mind it i actually i enjoyed it the evacuation if co- evac- evac- yeah. <laughs> like, like i about it yeah. isn't but I, I i do think that the i think my my reception to that kind of joke i mean at the end of the day this film was sort of designed for teenage boys wasn't it oh, yeah exactly. that's it yeah, that's yeah. it it's penis enlarger my not my bag baby and he's got the book this i love that sequence that's a better example yeah yeah that's a better example of a drawn-out joke because there was yeah. different bits happening uh-huh. over yeah, and over again true. yeah but the thing it, it, all i would say with that is is that it just seemed as if it was that it was better writing at that point because rather than just you weren't just waiting on the reaction or the facial expression of a character the the jokes was yeah. fun the jokes were funny it was the joke that was the center of that scene and obviously you're kind of seeing austin but he's basically saying you know um it's not mine baby it's not mine and then the guy would be like austin powers it's Receipt. not mine baby <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, know, you know that's signed that's by austin powers <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine baby let's just move it along <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, so, you know. Aye. So oh. that bit, that bit, and and I probably agree with Fran. It probably got the, you know, the pain scene probably is another one where it's like, right, just you know, it, again, now from what I'm kind of hoping for in comedy, I'm kind of hoping for like, right, get the joke right now, move on to the next bit. If that makes sense. What's I wonder really to what extent that was because Sorry. it was um the. Uh, they were, I suppose, ninety-seven. They were probably more reliant on people watching the films in the cinema than they were on home yeah. watching. So the sort of the sort of longer beats will probably be literally written to allow for the audience in the cinema to laugh to then move yeah. on to the no one misses anything. Which now, when most people are watching films at home, they're they're streaming stuff, and for the last sort of decade or so, they've been watching on sort of DVD and stuff. Yeah, it doesn't quite. It yeah, it's it, nearly it a decade of Netflix. You're right. I mean, 2013-14 was when I was first, well, I really started doing it on my iPhone. That's what, nine years ago? Mm. Yeah, good point. So it's become a, it's become more normal now. I mean, I do think for sure that's got to be a part of it. Um, I do think, though, I, I think it's a mixture of a number of different things, isn't it? But what's interesting is looking at looking at a film that was referenced in a previous time at the time that itself has become charmingly sort of out of date as well. If that makes sense, it's like there's elements of it where humour has progressed over the years. You know that maybe, like you're saying, jokes are a wee bit more snap, a wee bit snappier in some cases because of audience where, where the audience may be watching something. So it's kind of almost like a meta experience. You're watching a film that's taking the piss out of the past that itself has aged. Well, I think the again, it depends what the I suppose it depends what the film is. It's obviously it was kind of almost born out of a Saturday Night Live sketch. Um, I think even Doctor Evil was. I think his voice, Mike Myers, sort of likened it to the the creator of Saturday Night Live. Or the name escapes me. Um, yeah, but, but so 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 the heritage in terms of the Saturday Night Live sketches, kind of obviously that's the film. I think it was one of the reasons why I didn't really like Ghostbusters twenty sixteen because basically they literally try and treat every joke like that, and they hang on the joke, and they say the joke again, and they say it again. And then they go back round and say it again, and it's just like some there's there's some films that it works. I think with Austin Powers' new character, new rules with a Ghostbusters film, it's kind of like mm, don't, don't, I don't really think it works here. Yeah, on just on the the Saturday Night Live thing, I think it was Dana Carvey, uh, obviously who was in Wayne's World with him. I think he was doing impressions of who was it again? Was it the the head of Saturday Night Live or someone I, he was doing impressions someone and Mike Myers apparently I think used his impression as for the basis mm-hmm. of the Doctor Evil voice I may be getting that mixed up uh, but that was um, I'm sure I read that somewhere and I think Danica yeah. was a little annoyed when he seen that also uh, it wasn't meant to be a dual performance from Mike Myers initially it was what no. I think Jim Carrey to do it was uh... Doctor Evil which kind of beggars belief I mean you can imagine it in a way, because we've seen him do that recently in the Sonic film, where he plays Robotnik, and that's kind of the you can imagine the sort of uh, you know the sort of maniacal character he I think, would play. <clears throat> I think now, but I think back then, all I just imagine is Jim Carrey playing Doctor Evil as Ace Ventura. Uh, like I, I, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't think of any other way. Like you know, it'd been a lot of improv, a lot of face, aye, like uh, facial expressions, yeah. and probably. But I, I actually probably think it's better that never happened because I think Doctor Evil just needs to be as plain looking and as monotone as he was. 
there's something for it, for it for it to work. There's something about the fact that it is the same guy playing him, because they always do that joke and or that thing in films where you we're not so different, you and I, and it somehow yeah. resonates a bit better because it literally is the same actor doing it. I uh, mean, he's no Ed, he's no Eddie Murphy, mm. Mike Myers, you know, but you know, give him give him that. Yeah. I do enjoy. I do enjoy the two. Um, but yeah, there's. Uh, I don't know. Did I, sh- I share the document with you with just some of the random things and notes I had? I don't know. Can you see it? All on I screen? can screen. St- no. All uh, I can still sure. see is the three floating heads in a tiki bar. It says I'm sharing, but. Hmm. What if I've got it in a different view? Let's see. Oh, if I go to grid view, I can see that. Yes. So I've just written random things that came to me just as in case anybody needs <laughs> any. Uh, yep yep that's uh, one hell of a shopping list by the way yeah <laughs> uh yeah right so the i suppose it's one, it's one of those things of where do you go to because i mean you just go through the film but i think that some of the things the film does i mean visual gags then there's a lot of visual gags in the film that are not just um you know extent like so i'm thinking things like when he's doing when vanessa's having the call and you see austin walking around in the background I yeah, love that. I mean, it's it's not only exceptionally well done. I did actually try pausing it at the point where it's a magnifying glass, <laughs> yeah. and I'm gutted I did it you because you do man, literally you see everything. I thought they'll have done something to cover that up. <laughs> oh my god, no! <laughs> it's huge. I was like, really? It's like in Scream. Have they done that? And I think in the first film in Scream, when um, she's on the phone and she's talking to her friend, if you pause the film at the right moment, you can see his penis. I can't remember who they're talking about. Was it Tom Cruise or something like that? But there you go. Well, it's, it's funny. It's funny you should mention about Willie's because <laughs> if you watch the first Terminator's Blu-ray, like now that that's in full HD, see when Arnold Schwarzenegger's walking up to the punks right at the start, yeah. you, you'd literally see his fucking baseball bat just swinging between his legs. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, I mean, good for him. I bet you they CGI'd him up for the Blu-ray just to make him feel, <laughs> <laughs> make him more manly. There's so many actors that will have been like, "Listen, we got to revisit this now that we're aye, publishing aye. these." But then again, I suppose a Terminator would, you know, it could probably would be a weapon, wouldn't it? It would be, you know, some part of its body that the machines would think, "Well, we can conceal a weapon there." The machines. Just remember, these are unemotional machines. You know what I mean? So, in Arnie's case, a fucking fourteen-inch baseball bat. Um, <laughs> um, do you know an interesting fact about the nude scenes? They were filmed in the Scientology Center. Wow. That, really? Did they say? Yeah. Did you find out why? <laughs> no idea. I think it was just available um, space. Um, but I the, the the nude scenes were filled in the Scientology Center. Interesting. So Scientology is always after getting decent um press with actors and actresses. And stuff like that, yeah. I, yeah. <clears throat> I think especially back then. Yeah, I think especially back then it was probably just kicking off, wasn't it? And the whole Scientology thing. Well, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Uh... <laughs> but um yeah, I mean I, I, I was impressed by those those gag scenes with the you know covering parts body parts up in the magnifying glass i thought the magnifying glass bit genuinely i had forgotten about and i was sitting mouth agape as as it was happening thinking i wonder how many times they had to do that because yeah. those are those are long 
corn <laughs> scenes, aren't they? So yeah. it's like one mistake. You can't cut them together, so they had to get every single part right, like eating the sausage and all that. Oh, the sausage, <laughs> yeah, the milk, his teapot, re- and things like that. His reaction when she bites the sausage and he's stretching, and then it's it's reversed at the end, isn't it? So it's basically. It's yeah, it's, it's hard. The like the fruit basket with basil. I've said yeah. you're a fruit basket, <laughs> and I love the fact that Austin is clearly sitting naked in front of basil. <laughs> aye, <laughs> he doesn't aye. even reference it. Yeah, just a normal normal Zoom call for work. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the whole nude and dancing thing was was um it, it was all Mike Myers, but it was actually his wife because he done that at home. So see the whole kind of. Do I make you honey, baby, and all that kind of stuff? Oh, like he, right, he, okay. he, he, he would say that to his wife just as joking and stuff. And it was actually her that said, "You should, you should turn that into a character." Like, I can totally imagine that. I've seen clips of him in other yeah. films behind the scenes, and he's he's kind of doesn't really switch off when he's in the character. Yeah, because <clears throat> easily my favorite scene in this whole film is the is the fembot dancing scene. And again, mm. that was that was inspired by what he does at home, like just dancing nude. Right, sort yeah, of thing. yeah. It's the know, one, d- one of the scenes I found really funny was the um, when he was on the spinning bed trying to seduce her mm. to come to the bed. <laughs> yeah, and you just see him in the background, sort of leaping about on the bed. <laughs> Brilliant, ridiculous. Because it just pro- it just propositions are out of nowhere, doesn't doesn't it? I don't shag over there. Let's go and shag on the bed, baby. That, yeah, because no, he first asked, like, "How did you get into the secret service?" And then she starts like saying, "Oh, I did this." It, human resources or whatever and, and, and qualified in this and that's fantastic wanna go shag wanna go shag baby yeah yeah I tell you what let, you let's what's get... hilarious about that is the idea that like that to Austin Powers basically is meant to be him doing his duty as a child, getting like... to know the know. like getting to know the women <laughs> for like one second and then going well I did try and get to know her you know well I mean that's what Bond did I mean I was trying to work out if that was a sort of almost comedic reference to the scene in Goldfinger, the stud farm scene. I think I, I don't think it's a, any specific reference Not to any specific, moment in Bond, but yeah, just an attitude but, of yeah. that time that, period. Probably Bond, but also the other spy films that I think Austin Powers is kind of related to, I think. Um, yeah. The ones with uh, Michael Caine. I don't know if it's Alfie or... Um, uh, the other one escapes me but there's a few but it is mostly a Bond parody and it's definitely the, the Moore and Connery era that is lampooned oh, yeah. in this film uh, also he's just got a ra- he's just got a Boeing 747 oh yeah 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 it's like he's been sitting there for 30 years <laughs> are Boeing 747s even around in the 60s I don't there'll think there'll be plane spotters who have flagged uh, that up as some kind of error oh they're yeah. the wrong phone yeah, well, th- I think... thanks for thanks for your high opinion of me there, Mister McCall. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my uh, notebook away. <laughs> all I w- all I would say, I kind of just want to get something out of the way now. It's not not saying this to objectify or any kind of way, but oh my god, Liz Hurley looked amazing in this film. Excuse very... me, what did you just? <laughs> she yeah, looks very amazing. Do you know, actually, you're right. She, you know. I hadn't, I mean, again, I haven't seen this film for years, but I remember, obviously, when you're younger, you're watching it, you, you have an awareness of it, like, well, she's mm-hmm. hot, you know, but mm-hmm. she genuinely looked just... She's beautiful. Amazing. Like, perfectly. Th- was this her first role? Because I remember she was kind of an unknown model, really, and I think was her th- mm-hmm. whole thing, but she appeared on the a premiere with her boyfriend at the time, Hugh Grant, and I think that she became 
almost famous overnight for yeah. <laughs> sort of her glamour and things like that and essentially I, in my memory this was her first role she's probably got a few other things and I'm I only well, really remember, because... is it Bejazzled or Bedazzled? Oh, yeah. yeah. Bedazzled. Not Bejazzled. Bejazzled. version. Sorry, that was a Freudian slip there, guys. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's the thing. See, see, what's funny about this, right, is that thinking back to, like, say, Hugh Grant going out with Liz Hurley to the thingy, like, an award ceremony, even Liz Hurley herself in a film, like, uh, it's almost like I have a mental association just to, like, Britpop that mm. era of time, do you know what I mean? Spice Girls, um, Oasis, you know, set, like World Cup at that time. Do you know what I mean? Like all those yeah, memories World Cup you have happened all, in the mid-90s. Like, like, no, but it's just like a particular <laughs> era in your life where you remember all those, the particular, uh, Scotland playing Brazil. Yeah. I mean, there's things that oh, we yeah. remember from that time, don't we? And li- like, just um, sort of the, I don't know if you call it, what is it, the cultural zeitgeist, like the people that are sort of in vogue at the time. Liz Hurley's one of them, isn't she? Like, mm-hmm. you see That's, pictures of her dressed yeah. up in her spy gear, and, and it just takes you back to the I late think, 90s. It probably is because she's not known for having done, like, a lot of, she's not, her roles throughout her career, I'm guessing, stagnated. I'm not sure what, what her story is. I, I don't remember much of her career after but she's, the first she's, Austin Powers yeah. film, her cameo even, in the second, and then... I think bedazzled or whatever, you know. Well, I mean, even if she, even if she did do something later, she would definitely have like a a notable presence as like a pinup girl of the late nineties. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no denying that fact. Yeah. Like, she was on just about every single teenage boy's wall on a poster, probably at some stage. She is great. I mean, I'm not really good in this film. I think like um, she is perfect for Vanessa, like because she has that. She convinces you of. You know, she's well educated, that proper spy, things like that. It's so different from the type of girls that uh, Powers was probably meeting in the sixties. And I think the contrast is is amazing. Uh, I find it really funny the conversations um, with her mother. Where it's like, "Mummy, what do you mean?" Uh-huh. You know, like the mum's just like, "Well, you know, it was all just the way it was back then." <laughs> That's how it was back then, darling. Yeah. But what what is really interesting about that as well is like there's a kind of a joke that runs throughout the film of this sort of that you know there's a bit of a connection between being posh. And the whole sixties thing as well. Like there was quite, you know, I, I find that quite, I find that quite funny as a lower level kind of under the surface joke that was throughout the film. That you know that a lot of it was you know kind of tied up with swingers clubs among really rich people and all that. I mean, like, you get that idea, don't you? Um, at certain points, it's subtle. There's so much, so many layers of humour in the film for different people. Actually, yeah. I mean, for me, it's mostly comes from my knowledge of the bond franchise so seeing any of anything that ties to that is usually where i'm i'm laughing because i know where the the thought processes came from things well, like li- i was i was going to say there literally is one lifted straight from bond isn't it it's the i mean i'd um, say most of them but what ones no it's the um uh it's in a hot tub scene where yeah a lot of vagina's apartment it's tiger tanaka's apartment from um on a majesty's secret service oh they literally take the it's almost word for word the in japan oh right yeah oh that line yeah Uh, yeah. i thought you meant the second what does austin powell say at that point (laughs) oh not at all oh not at all (laughs) 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 yeah it's And it's like there's this there's this overly hairy, ridiculous hairy chested, ugly looking guy in a in a hot tub. He then farts, makes a joke of the fart, and then a lot of vaginas just like, "Come here, you silly man!" <laughs> you know, it's just like this guy is just irresistible. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so funny. Like that's just ridiculous. 
It's let's, just ridiculous. Let's talk about just some of the characters then. By uh, the way, by the way, just just to raise a little point here, right? Is there a problem with Austin Powers being ugly getting the girls? Or are we being a little bit Well, I wouldn't necessarily a say bit, I wouldn't like, necessarily because it's a joke in the film. It's a joke yeah. in the film, right? And it's played on as bad teeth and all that in the way. Like, see, it does look ridiculous, right? But I do. Th- it's it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like, you know that it's it's sort of an acceptable joke because I would I find it quite funny as well. But do you see where I'm coming from there? That, that it's quite acceptable to laugh at some a guy's with a, a man being but, ugly. I yeah. think but it is not at his expense. Of... He's the no. popular spy that you know. It's not. There's no. no. <laughs> he's not a victim of anything. No. No, I know. I know. It's just interesting, like that. I mean, it's not the, like the Christmas. conversation. The conversation no. around it, the incredulity of him getting the woman or whatever, it's easier to kind of laugh at that joke, isn't it? It's like it's it's because probably that the spy role in Bond was so handsome and charming that the that is the very joke, isn't it? In this, they case? have kind of flipped it, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and I think there, yeah. I think there is that. I mean, it's, it's it's part of the thread that runs through the whole film of taking Bond from the sixties and throwing him into the nineties and seeing how he would react, but also twisting it because he isn't the charming, good-looking uh, uh, Bond. Yeah. Yeah. So you turn so it. He's not handsome. He's package. not. He's, yeah, it's a full yeah, package, and he, he's. I mean, he's, he's not. He's, uh, He's not ugly per se. I suppose it's just the. It's he's the, not the ideal. He's it's not the, the ridiculous ideal. hairy chest and the and the teeth, which obviously the the uh-huh. there's the funny scene when um uh, Liz Hurley's basically like showing him all the gadgets and yeah, stuff, and then yeah. like she's like, so this is a toothbrush and this is flossing. No, and no, it's it's obviously like she shows him a gadget and then he's like, I know Vanessa. Look, this will be the. Oh, it's like he sort of preempts and suggests yeah. that what they're obviously <laughs> thinks the for. And she's like, aha, uh-huh. actually the nineties. There's been developments in dentistry, <laughs> and she doesn't get to finish it because Basil interrupts. Ah, oh, I do, so I do, good. I do love it. Like the the complete twisting on the head of who he is. Like of of like compared to your James Bond character, like he's he's a buffoon, isn't he? And he's lucky, yes, like uh, he, he doesn't uh, do anything really on purpose. Like he, he's he's not really that competent, is he? Either it's the film chooses when he's competent because there's sometimes where he is, you know, worked out the plan. And then mm. there's times where he, you know, punches Basil's mum in the face because <laughs> she's yeah. a man. I know it turns out it's just completely wrong. <laughs> but it's that's funny because funny as well, earlier they in the just film, let him away with it all. Well, yeah, like yeah. It, it, like they kind of breeze past these mistakes. Like they're just like, well, whatever. Like I love how they done it in the editing. See the scene where he first punches the woman. Oh and yeah, it, as know, a man, I know the editing is hilarious because it's like it's clearly a woman. It, yeah. And then just before he punches it, it's a guy with like fucking ten o'clock shadow. He's literally got a beard. Like the idea you would have bought that that was a woman when you look at the guy version is hilarious. I love it. It's great. Um, Do you know what's interesting as well though about that is that's where maybe I would say some of the humour's dated in the sense that you might not nowadays have jokes like that with like folk getting wigs pulled off and men as women and things like that. I don't think nowadays you would. I, like I, I can still think, appreciate but, uh, the humour of it, but I think nowadays you would very rarely see that, would you? I think I mean th- these kind of films aren't really coming out anymore because mm-hmm. well, Austin Powers, the whole shtick of making fun of Bond that was original in the mid to late nineties. Uh, yeah. That's been done to death now because they did three films anyway of it. But also, um, you know, the way that humour has went now, like 
everyone can get humor so quickly from TikTok videos that it's really difficult mm. to justify watching a film that's an hour and 40 minutes long, you know, with jokes in it because people you know it's like you just don't need it anymore like it's almost weird that people just go to the internet for their quick hit of quick videos that and it's much i don't know i don't know if that makes sense but that's kind of why i think comedy films struggle now and i think a film like that where the joke is oh he's he's punching what was a man a woman and it's now it's a man kind of thing yeah that's probably aged just because comedy styles have changed audience have changed potentially i think there's again there's maybe an argument you know, depending how socially just you're going to be. But, you know, I think a lot of people might be frightened to write something that pushes the boundaries because you'll be in fear of getting cancelled. No, but even that well, kind of joke... It's not really a boundary social... anymore, that thing. It's sort of, it's almost, it's beyond being a boundary now. It's just kind of, it's, it's. I think it's more, it's just, it's seen as so kind of passe. Yeah, like yeah, that type of uh-huh. It's not particularly risky anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but I think also it would be seen as crass now. It's an easy target. It's, I mean, the, the idea of kind of punching up, punching down, um, you know, women dressed or man dressed as a woman is, it's, it's not just that it's problematic. It's, I don't think that's the issue. It is more just that it's, it's, it's an unnecessary target of a joke and it's, it's kind of seen as that now. Whereas oh, the yeah, 90s exactly. was full of, you know, your your sort of loaded magazine type humour and the sort of yeah. panel shows that you had back in the 90s were full of basically taking the piss out of people because they looked uglier because they, I don't know, yeah, because they, you know, women looked like a man type thing or vice versa. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it, again, like, I find it, I still found it funny watching it in the, in the film because it was, you know, it was of its time. Because this film is meant to be a play on a guy from a different time, I find it fascinating to find the bits that have then themselves aged. Like, I find that particularly intriguing. You know? I, I certainly never seen that. I never took that scene as, as that was one that aged for me in uh, terms of the, the, the man instantly turned, the woman instantly turned into a man. Like, I just thought that was... Yeah, I guess I, was I, can, now, I can now see where, only now during this conversation... Could that be problematic in the sense that maybe that could have been trans? Is that what maybe we could be saying well, here? Uh, and it's the idea that just because of that, that means he knows that's a, a villain. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> like, to so the that's point how it's okay like... to punch mm. the person. Yeah, right. uh-huh. I think I think there's an element of, I think we all know that it would never make it into a script nowadays. Actually, I think you're right, because there is an element of a, a sort of binary thing going on there that now... Uh, somebody reading that would go well why why is that the trigger to punch the person just because of that exactly uh-huh. yeah they've got a manly face just uh-huh. smash their head in yeah. and rip their head off i know but, <laughs> I, know, but I know but the joke the joke is is that she never had a manly face like literally oh well seconds. that's that's why it's a woman yeah, yeah that's why it's oh, funny that's yeah. why that's yeah. why it's funny i guess I mean, it's it only it... from austin's logic that aye, it's a wee bit problematic aye. but the actual and joke it, is funny and it's even funny later on when poor old uh Poor old Mrs. Basil. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Face, and she, that, she literally is. It's the way, woman. like, even yeah, filming that scene, it's hilarious. like he's yanking her head. I'm like, <laughs> I did the <laughs> 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 probably had to go to therapy after that. Oh, uh, lady. The ugly I mean, stick did, joke as well. Sorry. Did Bond punch Blofeld when he was in drag? I don't think he punched. And... I don't think even Bond saw Blofeld in drag. It was only the audience when he got she got into the car with him. I'm certain. I think um, when can't remember was it 
Tiffany, what was her character's name? Gordon, this is where Gordon would come in. Yeah, exactly. This is where we need the Bond expert. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, just, I, knew, I, I, I suspect that's one of the sort of vague references of going, oh yeah, let's, let's, let's take that concept and I think chuck that in somewhere. Tiffany Casers, that character, gets into the car with him and for some reason inexplicably Blofeld's in drag. <laughs> and uh, that's, I think that's the only scene really you see him. Yeah. So, but yeah. By the way, I've just looked at your list again. Just laughing at that United Nations stereotype. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. That to be so funny. Like, I was looking forward to that. clogs and all that. And... Brilliant, yes. It's Despite so the fact there is an, an, an English or a British um, delegate speaking, there's still a beef eater randomly. A beef eater, a <laughs> leprechaun, and a, a guy with kilt and bagpipes. It's great because it's short. It doesn't linger on it too long. It's just, it cuts a couple of times and you just see the ridiculousness of these costumes of these yeah. people there. That's why I, I... Again, that's the sort of thing that I think went over my head when I was younger. I didn't really like pick up on it or laugh at that so much but now watching that on a much later i'm just sort of seeing how ridiculous these people are yeah that kind of takes me back to the bond i remember when all the women were eating the food that was exactly what they were supposed to eat exactly yes yeah i like to think that's kind of what they were trying to take the piss out of yeah let's just just chuck in all the uh all the stereotypes yeah and gorbachev so i still laugh actually thinking back to that bond seen because of how funny like how inadvertently funny that was later on um again quickly just reminded me talking about the russians i like that scene when he first comes out of the of the ice and it's like <laughs> and it's like the russian <laughs> and the american are there oh we we got those uh what was it Tommy scumbags <laughs> or not, someone, no, no the war's no, over austin austin we won <laughs> yeah <laughs> capitalism capitalism yeah <laughs> brilliant um yeah it's it's oh, there's so many great moments that's the thing you could you could spend all day talking about some of those fu- well, the, the sort of funny moments here's, here's something i'm not sure if he's he's known this right but i I actually really loved the um god what's his what's his name uh task random, random task, task yeah. Random, yeah right so random task is obviously uh a complete and utter piss take from um odd job yeah right almost like the exact same character except he just throws the, the shoe at people. He's actually a convicted... I know, I know. I read, I read Did you read that? that? Yeah, I saw it last year. I oh remember. my god. So see at the point where he... F- He's a very bad man, let's put it that way. Damn to Scott. Yeah, he's so he... stunned by random past crimes <laughs> that he's went into a yeah, state of silence. Frozen. Some stasis. Well, I have to give him a minute to get back out of stasis. But um, so, what what's random task accused of? Uh, I think or convicted it's of like a multitude of offences, like almost a career criminal. I'm sure. Like he, he's, I think he's been convicted again of something. I don't know if it's assault or I don't know if it's things like. Murder, I don't want to... Isn't it funny the things that we talk about when we're talking about a comedy? I suppose we sort of, I've brought up major social issues. We've got murder, death. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, oh, that's that's quite grim, actually, yeah. <laughs> what, what does it say? Um. Oh, my God. Torture committed during a gang rape. He beat his cellmate to death. Ah. So he's he's serving 34 years to life in, uh, in prison at the moment. Yeah. But he was a former mixed martial artist and wrestler and stuff which is presumably why they picked him up for for this uh yeah he appeared in a few sort of low budget action films as well apparently before he got this role but it looks like this was the last role he had acting wise this guy has ended up being a fairly playing a fairly iconic role in a in a well-known film 
Yeah, Sorry, I mean, guys, man. Yeah. I might cut out there. Apologies. Uh, you, you, we were kind of making fun of your shocked face as we were. Was that? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, did you see? Uh, uh, did you see the point where? Because I, I literally think it cut when I said. Um, he literally just gang raped. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, we didn't get that point, but yeah, Steve confirmed it for us. <laughs> we, uh, we found yeah. that. Unfortunately, yeah. Jesus. Uh, and, and actually, it's a dampener on watching his performance in the film, knowing what he uh, would go on to commit. And so he got jailed for, he got like 227 years or something like that in jail for that crime alone. Then he since murdered his like, cellmate. So you yeah. get like another twenty odd years onto the sentence. It's like yeah. my god, man. Yeah, that's Longest. not. Yeah, it's a pretty evil guy. Uh, yeah, probably best just not even giving him any. It's a shame because uh, the who throws a shoe line is hilarious, but yeah. you know it's kind of hard to to appreciate when you kind of know now know that stuff. Yeah. Um. So I, what I want to talk about is some of my favorite moments. That so I, I mostly kind of giggled at the odd moment mostly just i was just enjoying my time with the film the scene that actually had me really laughing and it always makes me laugh when i think about it is the henchman stuff so like the the the, the death the the guy with the steamroller as they're in dr evil's lair <laughs> and it's like you know they've, they've commandeered this vehicle they're driving it and then it does the wide shot when you when you when they're like get out get out the way and it cuts to his face he's like Blood curdling scream and it's so loud and they're like move out the way and then it cuts to the wide shot of their miles away. <laughs> <laughs> I love it and then it cuts to the, the, the they're closer in now this time and he's still doing the scream and then it's you hear oh it's so good and then and this is only I didn't realize this but uh, American audiences didn't have the section where it cuts to the families um, mm. and it would be like, you know, the sort of after and it's like... Really? That, yeah, they didn't have... All that stuff wasn't in the family. Maybe even the actual steamroller scene for some... I can't remember why, if it was for pacing issues or if it was for the content. I don't know. But that's some well, of my favourite gags. Yeah. That, that idea of... What the, what happens to the henchmen's families and yeah. stuff like that, and their friends and stuff is genius because yeah. you've got yeah. obviously one later on where it's a stag do. Uh huh. John Smith. And, it's Rob yeah. Lowe. It's like uh, that's it's just, it. You got killed by a mutated sea bass. You know. <laughs> John Smith. <laughs> it's the fact that they told him on the phone he was being killed by an angry, ill-tempered, mutated sea bass. Like those yes. specific words that then he's then used to explain to the family. <laughs> It's an inter- it's interesting you say, but that was cut. I'm pretty sure I read because I think this film was released late, and in, in, we're talking real time. I think Princess Diana had literally just had the accident. Yeah. And, yes. And so, there was obviously the joke with the royals or the Charles. Very timely. Yeah. Yeah, and that I think got, <clears throat> that got cut for British audiences. But actually, yeah. when I was looking into like the box office, because I, I, it's it's actually classed as a flop in terms of cinema, but actually like a like a VHS phenomenon. Yeah. It was the VHS, but actually one of the reasons why it flopped over here was because there was the the, the, the like the reference to the Royals and stuff like that. Obviously, at the time it had been recorded, it wasn't a it wasn't a joke on that. You know what I mean? It was just really just I'm, really poor timing. I think it might have just been the timing specifically. That was. I can't imagine an audi- a whole audience, you know, hating the film because of that. But more just people might not have been going to cinema that week or that two weeks because of maybe the kind of shake up in the news um that kind of thing maybe had an effect on audiences and maybe that's why again it was a new property as well only mm. word of mouth i mean it, was, it wasn't until the second film that we pretty much all of us nearly were the second film was our introduction 
to the thing so it was a film that did go under my radar i was only 11 at the time and wasn't really familiar really with the bond films by that point i was only just getting into it i think that year really goldeneye mm. so um but anyways yeah uh, but that uh, the henchman stuff is is my favorite and the, the... It's actually, there's quite a lot of good stuff at that point because you've got the he, he, you've got your um oh what's his name mr robot christian slater mm-hmm. so yeah. christian slater's the security guard I've brought you your orange sherbet. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you've obviously got, I don't know if it's after that, but when he, he's driving in the wee buggy. Oh. <laughs> it's very like a 273 point turn. I love it. That, I, st- I was doing, a, every time I'm doing a tight re- like reversal, like, I, I always think of that every time. It's just Steve, like... to be fair, I've been in your car when you're driving and it's very accurate, to be honest with you. <laughs> a tiny car as well it shouldn't really be exactly. like that. <laughs> but, yeah. it's a great scene great visual gag of just him constantly like start and stop and like it is impossible how he was able to even do that <laughs> uh, i just I, I love the I, I love the introduction to the fembots and again i think i think one thing that we we need to call on here is see the the, the austin power soundtrack literally as a time capsule in itself like, like that whole soundtrack is just amazing when we first see the fembots you get the Doom, 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 doom. You keep saying mm. you've got some. What's the song? These boots are made for walking. Yeah. Yes. Um, their introduction's brilliant. And then obviously you're kind of like, right, well, they're setting that up. So at some point they're going to get their hands into, into powers here. And when they do, I think that's hilarious. And I love how they turn. What does he say on the bed? It's like, Margaret Thatcher in a cold day. Margaret Thatcher <laughs> in a cold day. Yeah. Uh, and he's desperately just trying to resist them. But it's. I love the kind of switch in terms of it's like, right, well, actually, do you know what? It's almost it's almost like his like empowerment moment, but it's like, well, wait a minute here. I'm Austin Powers. I'm the most irresistible man on the planet. Yeah. And just strips <laughs> down his Union yeah. Jack's pants and just starts dancing. And I love the song. I love I, the song. It's I such myself. A... I want you to know. Oh, my. And then the friend, but he's, he's doing the kind of like, the thrusts, you know, the pelvic thrusts and the fit, you just see the fembots like malfunctioning. <laughs> it's a perfect like, way to do licensed songs in a film. Yeah, like, it's so good. Really well done. And if, and, I, and, I, and again, it's amazing how they use the, the, the licensed songs that are used so well for the comedic impact. And I totally forgot that song was used over that scene. Mm-hmm. So when it first started playing, I was like, oh, am I? I totally forgot that song was there i thought it was something else the the love story stuff as well um you know with burt Bacharach and then burt Bacharach's literally playing <laughs> he's, in the, he's on the piano <laughs> that is brilliant <laughs> uh yeah some great stuff uh, that's so fun i'm looking at my notes and i'm just seeing you know we're talking about the the, the jokes that keep going on what did you think of the headless joke you know when the, the henchman gets when john smith gets decapitated when he's making all the he won't be the head of a international corporation <laughs> i love that I, again that was a, i think just sort of it's like the one liner thing like I mean, yeah me, but he just does like four of them <laughs> yeah. in a row and it got no reaction yeah. whatsoever yeah everyone everyone's just doing that like kind of like awkward sort of uh, <laughs> i'm just going to yeah, giggle because like, it's the boss like vanessa's like oh okay uh-huh. <laughs> yeah <it's> so <laughs> yeah, so when he, he when he gets the head of a major corporation, that's that's when he's he's done that thing of it's gone on for so long nah, and it's gone funny, yeah. then unfunny, uh-huh. then actually funny again. That's it, and then exactly. she she just says something like, "Right, that's enough," and he's like, "Okay, right, exactly. <laughs> I got it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
so I'm, I'm just looking at the the other stuff I've got in my notes here. Like, well, actually, so let's try and talk about some of the characters. Then, so Scott, then uh, Seth Green. What's what's your thoughts on this sort of interaction, mostly obviously with Doctor Evil? Again, for me, it's again the call back to Bond with the fact that Doctor Evil's going to have this plan. Uh, sorry, he's going to just. Yeah put austin powers and and vanessa into an easily escapable situation and assume it all went to plan <laughs> no i've got a, what? i've got a gun <laughs> i've got a gun I've literally got a gun in my room i could just shoot him <laughs> let's do it together let's do it together like i, I love the fact right we've kind of got to know scott and he's actually quite likable you feel sorry for him and then, then you realize scott is you know that's how you know he's really dr evil's son he will happily murder people in Aye, cold blood he'll murder him but he'll, do, but he'll do it the right way he'll yeah. do it the, the most you know the most logical way yeah. <laughs> you don't get it Scott yeah it's so good uh, again the, the shit sh- 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 scene uh, that found out is that it was completely improvised apparently I can totally imagine that I can totally imagine that well, I think I mean I think what was it 40 odd percent of the film was improv yeah huge swathes of it was yeah. but that's the one I think that comes up that um Aye. But see, that's the thing. It's really, I think that's where Mike Myers can be credited for some of his fantastic, like, improv skills. Because I don't watch the film and see what I, you know, like, obvious. I always think in some of the Will Ferrell films, I'm like, ah, you can tell that they've just thrown in random words together and hoped that it works. In this mm. film, I get the feeling most of the lines look as if they were written as a scripted joke, which is then when I'm thinking that actually 30 to 40% was improv, that's kind of incredible when, you know, like, like little lines like judo chop and stuff like that. Like, is that maybe where he's done improv and he's just, you know, you know, is that the thing that was there a line for that? Was there a thing? Probably. Possibly. I think it comes down to the caliber of the comedian that's 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 doing the improv. You know, yeah. I think if it's, I think really good comedians or high caliber comedians probably shouldn't really need somebody to write their jokes for them or act, yeah. do that. That makes sense and act them out. So no, I think you're right. I think it's credit to uh, Mike Myers, especially and Will like, Ferrell like, and, and people in that generation. Like I suppose if it's Mike Myers concept he'll have created it he'll know the character so well so he'll, yeah he'll have in his head exactly who's exactly what that character would say at what time yeah and the one that i know was improvised because I, I think i saw i think it might have been a clip of it or a segment from an interview with liz hurley where she talks about the one bit where she did actually start laughing and they've had to keep it in because they had no other good cuts was the um there's only two things i'm scared of. Oh, i was just like, about to bring that up but i didn't realize that was <laughs> that. cardies and <laughs> she actually pisses herself <laughs> laughing and they Come kept on. it in because like, that was the best take we had that's great i love that it's i've written that in my notes as well like the, there's only two things that scare me <laughs> it's like and what's the other one it's what's like the other one <laughs> what's that <laughs> brilliant that's, that's so good so circus good. folk yeah and I love the the sort of the montage stuff as well. Like obviously when he's going through his lonely phase, when he's kind of realizing that mm-hmm. you're going to be very lonely in the nineties, and it cuts to you know him trying to like work a CD, <laughs> like a, it's like a vinyl, but you got a CD, and it's like horrible. And he's got the the Nike trainers or whatever it is, and he's like puffing away at the, the, the they just it. blow up in yeah. his face <laughs> so good and he's like going through all the list of people who've either died and all that kind of stuff it's uh, some really good stuff in there i think the one that the, I, I quite like the um so when powers obviously goes and he sleeps with a lot of vagina or fashina mm-hmm. um uh, and liz hurley's obviously like she's obviously like repulsed by him she's kind of going nah you know saying to her mum as well like no nah, he's he's, he's 
he's repulsive. You know, I'm never going to fall for him and stuff. And obviously, like her mum is kind of like, ah, well, you know, everybody falls for these charms at some point and stuff like that. But it's funny when she kind of challenges him on. She's like, you went to her apartment and you kind of sat there, and then he's just like, yeah, baby, I shagged her, baby, I, I shagged, her. I shagged her rotten, baby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, that, oh okay then <laughs> as, if, as, she, as if she's meant to be like alright but then she's actually kind of like well, why are you doing that Austin and he's like well it's it was well what do you mean Yeah. Like, and she's like you use a condom <laughs> I didn't use a condom <laughs> <laughs> sailors I'm not for <laughs> they go they should they, they bloody should they go from port to port, <laughs> port, to port the dirty baggers <laughs> See, I, I did love that. That's one of those elements where they, they have it's it's almost like kind of this is how people would legitimately react if James Bond right. said some of the things that he'd done to a normal person. You, what the fuck did you do that for? Yeah. You, right. you what? You did that? <laughs> and they kind of again sort of throwing that in there as a almost sort of meta. Yeah, this is what would actually happen to Bond. Yeah. I love right. that even when he's on the, he's on his secret mission in a lot of vagina's apartment and he's like you know taking the pictures. But he's like shouting out, "Yeah, baby, yeah!" And then, and then, and then, and then it's like, "No, no, no, no!" no. It's like maybe be a bit quieter when you're in this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! It's the jokes. Just for me, the mo- the film works. There's not many moments where I roll my eyes in a kind of negative way. I can groan a couple of bits, but for me, it's um, you know, I I, I really loved it. Um, what did we What did we think of the I'm trying to think of maybe so, some of the things that didn't date or, or well, well by the way, CGI wise, would you remember the bit at the start with the cat in the window of the oh the the big boy the uh-huh, satellite like a flat thing. picture of a cat pressed onto the <laughs> <laughs> it just looks so ridiculous I know again I was maybe I was maybe meaning more the I was um, dated so our, our Austin Powers has dated moment for me oh yeah um, I mean I just I just thought Mustafa. you know what I have to mention that before yeah, yeah. It's, the black, it's the black face well, Will Ferrell's yes. Mustafa yeah. is one that, I mean we spoke about a couple of things that would date I think like the punching the woman uh, mm-hmm. thing could actually now I could see why you could not do that now but uh, it's clear cut Mustafa, you know, Will Ferrell has pretty much blacked up for this character, and it's instant you can see it. It's like, oh wow! You go, ah, yeah, that's because it's a shame because the character is hilarious. Will Ferrell is is legitimately, I think, because this is the first film I ever seen. Will Will Ferrell's well cast as a scared henchman, like, but like, I get what you mean. Like the, it is instantly noticeable. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that would never happen now. No, never. Well, I mean. When did Tropic Thunder get released? I think that's the most that's the most recent blackface like, I can remember. I tell you what, right? I, I saw, cli- I saw clips of um, talking about the other way around. I saw clips of that. I, I was laughing at it because it looked quite funny. Remember that film, White Girls? Oh, White, White Chicks. Oh, White Chicks yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that was fair. that wasn't that long ago either, was it? So I think uh, I think it's quite a long time ago. That was like twenty ten or something like that. Hate to say it, well, yeah. That, it's like 2007 yeah, suppose, or 8 maybe I suppose some of the it was, a different, it was a different time back then wasn't it <laughs> oh even I think even in the last <laughs> the last like 5 10 5 years even you know are wildly different to mm. like I don't think white chicks would come out now do you know what I mean I don't think it would really like these kind of transformative things were like you know like um, remember that film as well what was that one with the uh, What's his face in it where he was dating the big, the, the the big girl, the girl with weight on her, but then he saw her as thin. Oh, oh, 
Shallow Hal, yeah. Yeah. Shallow Hal's trying uh-huh. bad. So not like, good. Yeah, I mean, that, that film... <laughs> I mean, imagine that coming out now. So that there's like loads of things like that, isn't there? Where you look yeah, back at it and you're like, my God. Brow, but I mean, yeah. You know, Shallow Hal at the time, like, I remember people kind of talking about that film going, it was funny, but like folk were saying, well, you know, it's a nice message. And I was thinking, but see the thing, <laughs> well, that's the thing. And again, it's like, it's see the thing about Tropic Thunder, right? So, so Robert Downey Jr. plays a black man, right? But the way it's written is so clever where it's actually, it's actually a satire against the Academy. Because the he he originally plays a white actor who will go through so much change, literally cosmetic surgery, to play a black man in order to win an Oscar. And obviously, the Academy casts the white man playing the black man. So, in terms of the writing, it's not necessarily a a, a, a piss take on the fact that well, there's no decent black actors. We need to get it's basically it's basically taking the piss out of the Academy for. Does that make sense? Not necessarily yeah. being racist yeah. as such, yeah, but it's like it, it's written so well, um, and it never at one point takes itself seriously. So again, I think from that aspect, it's like something like Tropic Thunder. Well, that's <sighs> in a different league entirely to um, to Will Ferrell playing. Oh, well, absolutely. yeah, no, absolutely. yeah. Uh, like it's yeah, because it's a because it's a comment on the fact that that kind of thing did happen a lot. I mean, mm. do you know, you even saw it. Like, I remember being really annoyed when the like uh, Star Trek Into Darkness came out in tw- well, 2011, I think it was. 2011? Yeah, it was. And um, there was a legacy character from old Star Trek in it, uh, a guy called Khan. And uh, he was meant to be a... Well, he was played by a, a Hispanic guy in the original film and episodes. He was in an episode and, a, and one of the older films. And they cast um, Benedict Cumberbatch as him. And it was just like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? So it was like weird things like that were happening right up, and you know they had this weird and universal explanation, but it was like he had surgery or something like that. I was like, oh, come on! So all the Star Trek fans were going mental about that because it was like, you know, it was just ridiculous, and it was just, it was precisely that thing, wasn't it? Benedict Cumberbatch was a big name at the time, and they needed to get him in the film, and they just didn't think about it. So well, I think I don't necessarily. It's casting's a totally different thing than you know, doing it within the film and as part of the, the sort of joke and the writing. Um, I don't mind casting any form. You know, I, as I say, I, I don't think it's anything that I would know. It doesn't matter what who they are, what nationality they are. It's like as long as I'm kind of more looking at the actual film as such. Does that make sense? I don't know. Sometimes sometimes casting can be problematic or whatever. It takes me out of the universe of a film if they change somebody's fundamental characteristic. But I will say things like Shakespeare plays in that, that's a different sort of thing, isn't it? Because, you know, you tend to, you'll find quite avant-garde casting going on there. And well, I guess you would, and, you, and all sorts of things. Well, I mean, I suppose you could you could have the argument of James Bond as has been written and predominantly been a white male. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be anywhere near offended if they cast, for example, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. I think he'd be a great I know, choice. but that's different. But that's the thing, though. Bond was meant to be. Bond has been a different man every decade for years, right? So that's we all know he's going to be a different person. It's like Doctor Who, isn't it? Doctor Who's played by different people. Whatever. It's that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of thing. But like a one-off character in a film that was played by like. You know, it's that. It's like you were saying about Tropic Thunder. Like, how difficult would it have been to find a a, a great Hispanic actor? Like, where you could have had um, what was it Del Toro? Um, what's his name again? Guillermo Benito. Benicio yeah, yeah, Del Toro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, he was the one that I wanted to play Can, and 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 he was on. He was actually there was talks about that at the time, but they could have found somebody great to play so, the character. I mean, so that are you saying? Like, but, I try to relate this back to what we're talking about with Austin Powers with Mustafa. Obviously, it's a joke character they've written, and uh-huh. well fair to I, play I guess, him. I, I what guess, do you think is the solution for what would make this less of a problematic? character well i just i just think it's in, i think it's brought up a completely not unrelated but i think it's one of those things where i reckon it's and again it's what scott said about tropic thunder as well that the joke was that they could i think it the whole point was that they went through such an effort for that guy to get the role even though he was white when they could have just cast a black actor to play that role i think that was the joke you were talking about wasn't it with tropic thunder the comment that was being made that this Whereas guy has cosmetic surgery and all that in Austin Powers, it they, it was one of these cases where they literally probably should have cast. Yeah, I think that's the her. point. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think it was more Will Ferrell. You know, ties with Saturday Night Live. It's probably like right, we need to get him a part in this film. Yeah, that's what I think. I think they've got part. they wanted yeah. him in it, and then they've written a part, but not thought about you know. Yeah, the, yeah. The, but at that time, it wouldn't really have come up as a problem anyway because no, people were doing all that sort of thing. I don't think it would ever probably been talked about then. I, th- I think what it is is it's reminded us all of different things, hasn't mm. it? So yeah. it's kind of made us all think about films we've seen or things that we've where, well, where we've been irritated by casting. Yeah, well, on the basis the reason, of race the reason, or the yeah. precisely with casting, the reason that it is an issue now is because of instances like that back in '87. Because all films were doing that; they were just casting famous people rather than people who had some kind of relation to the character itself, mostly the the race. Um, I think I think genuinely, I I genuinely think like it's just one of those things where to me it would just seem like anything other than casting. If you've got black guy on the cast sheet, cast a black guy. If exactly, white that's guy it. On the yeah, cast, sheet, cast a white guy. Do you know what I mean? And they know like, that things, now. Yeah, things like it, it gets to the grey area when it's things like disability orientation. I think different people can interpret those to a certain extent. You know what I mean? But. I think there are certain things that are just like even gender. Gender's something that, can, but race is just one of those where it's like you know what? If the character in Star Trek was was a Hispanic guy, cast a Hispanic guy for the reboot. Do you know what I mean? If the guy in, in Austin Powers is a Middle Eastern man, cast a Middle Eastern man. I mean, or don't write it as that. Write it as somebody else that Will Ferrell can play. Well, that, I think that was the issue with that character. It didn't necessarily have to be. No. The, yeah, the, that's the actually. Could have been any villain, uh-huh. and they they thought, all oh, right, let's let's make a Middle Eastern guy and even, him up with even the same lines. I mean, Will Ferrell could have played a sort of a Russiany type guy, yeah, yeah or something with like, a bit of an yeah. accent. Because the the yeah. joke with that scene was where he fell through the burning chair mm. and didn't die. I love that. I do love going, that. It's it's such a well written joke, and it, the, the way it goes on and <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so badly burned. <laughs> Oh, you're here to help me. You <laughs> <laughs> shot me. me in the arm. I mean, Will Ferrell's voice is perfect for I that. Know. Will Ferrell's sort of innocent kind of yeah. oh. tone. Oh. Hey, am I right in thinking he, he reprises the role in the second one as well? Oh, yeah. He? yeah. In the second one, he's, he's got that thing where it's like you can only <clears> ask him the same question like 
uh, oh, five times and he'll give you the answer yeah. after the fifth one and then he has that sequence where it's like no you interrupted the first line of questioning with an entirely different question by setting an entirely new series of questions which sounds a bit like Crichton from Red Dwarf but you know here's the funny thing he's actually injured at the time as well isn't he like badly injured after having fallen down a cliff or something oh, like that yeah, maybe and he's broken his leg or something and yeah. he's screaming out he's like I can okay. see the bone sticking out, you know. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. I do love that that character. It's just a shame, obviously, where you can see it's dated now. But as uh, Will Ferrell is hilarious. Well, do you know what? Here's the thing. That character in Austin Powers, I, 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 I'm over that. Like, It's not like I watched it and went, oh, my God. But I did. it did remind me of later things that pissed me off. Okay. I think, I think that's just the general thing is, for me. Is there anything else you guys want to cover with this film? I just want to say just generally, like, you know, I think it's held up pretty well. I think it. I think it. It was fun to watch it. I wasn't watching it, thinking, looking at my watch, thinking, "When's this going to be over?" Yeah, yeah I, well, I just, I just enjoyed it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we can get to the rating. It was then. kind of, it was kind of escapism, wasn't it? I don't know. If I think it's hundred percent. It's just that there's no deep running plot. You don't have to turn your head on and be like, mm, was he in the dream? Was he in a dream of a dream? You know, it's just, it's just right. Switch it on, eat your popcorn, turn off, have a good time. That's yep. it. Right. And I'm, I'm the same as you. It, it still holds up. Okay. So Steve, it was your chosen film. What are you giving this film as a, for your final summary? Your I right. am giving this a four. I think yep. it is a, I mean, I like I say, I watched it originally after watching all the Bond films, wanting a Bond spoof, and it's exactly what I got. I love... I mean, you can enjoy this film, I think, without having seen any of the Bond films and just enjoy it as a sort of slapstick, comedic, funny, infantile, humour-filled film. It's escapism, as you pointed out, but with the Bond knowledge on top, I think this is fantastic. It sends up the Bond films without necessarily mocking them. It takes what... It takes the flaws from the Bond film and takes the absolute piss out of them, which is exactly what needs to be done to that franchise. It can't be something that's taken too seriously. And it is genuinely funny. Mike Myers is a brilliant, versatile comic actor. He is so, you know, the multiple characters, the multiple voices, the jokes, the amount of improv that he does, he absolutely makes this. Um, and even the the surrounding cast, you know, Liz Hurley, as we've discussed, is legitimately brilliant in this. She, she gets the sort of smart woman with the sort of naivety as well and the sort of trying to resist but you can kind of see that she is actually attracted in a slight sense to Austin Powers she does that really well um and I've got to give a shout out to the music as well George Clinton did the soundtrack to the film he's done a brilliant sort of fake Bond almost sounds there are are moments that sound exactly like they've come out of an actual Bond score yep um, brilliantly well done. So, I mean, some of the dated 90s humour is, as I say, it's not, it's not like it's offensive or anything, it's just a bit kind of eye-roll groan-worthy. And there's, I think, the fact that it doesn't quite have those laugh-out-loud laughs that they may have done 20 years ago may take a mark off it for me, but otherwise it's a very, very high, uh, it's a very high 4 out of 5. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Scott? Yep, could almost say word for word what Steve said, 4 out of 5 for me, thoroughly recommend um, I mean, it's it's almost that close to Bond. Does it actually? Could you actually fit it in the Bond Daft archive? I Does mean, it, there was a time it, where we were going to do a bonus episode and just do this as a review, as a bonus, mm-hmm. with the lens of looking at it from the point of view of of, of a Bond film. I think was, I, I looked. I seen on. I think Daniel Craig was vocal about it that he actually. I think he came out and said that he 
uh, obviously admires Mike Myers and stuff, but um, the, what was the quote? He said something about that. He, he Austin Powers films sent uh, the Bond uh, tra- trajectory into the more serious realm because of they had been lampooned so much, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy because, I mean, by the time the third Austin Powers came out, the Bond films were still being made. They were still doing, they were going further into the crazy. By Dying a Day, it was the same year, I think, as Goldmember. And they were going insane, like to like mm. it's a weird one. It's almost like they had to wait for the failure of Diana Lade from a kind of critical and kind of um, public opinion level to really think, right, what's happened to us? And I think the Austin Powers films were the main thing that they've realised they've been limping well, so much. Listen, me and you both know it's because of Pierce Brosnan, right? But anyway, we'll move <laughs> on from that. <laughs> but no, um, as I say, Steve, I think Steve summed it up perfectly. Immature slapstick. Uh, switch off escapism four out of five for me okay Fran started hold on a bit there just to draw out the joke um, yeah <laughs> basically I I would give it a four out of five as well and I think that definitely it's held up well it's it's just a good time what you know just what stick the film on enjoy it I don't I mean it's it's not something that you would watch like multiple times in a year or whatever like or study closely it's something that you would imagine you would stick on once every few years and you know or if it was on the telly or something you'd stop and watch it and enjoy it i think it was a good idea definitely for the bond franchise to get a bit of mo- healthy mockery bit of um you know because really and the thing is i actually think like even like i, I used to go to bond conventions when i was young with my dad and things like that and and folk would go to these things and you know there was, there was kind of a, a self-referential mocking thing going on there too with some of the you know I think Bond, in some ways the Bond fandom's quite self-aware so I'm sure there's quite a lot of Bond fans that probably loved Austin Powers as well the the humour side of it um, yeah I thought it was great okay okay three fours now I've been swithering the entire time on what I would give this um and I think I'm going to be slightly controversial and give it the five because oh. for me the way this is a film I, I really love and the as much as I'm not laugh out loud all the time at the moments I was enjoying the film the entire way through and for me a comedy film that came out you know how many years over 20 odd years ago I think uh, nearly 25 pretty much so I think like the jokes were never going to have you laughing the same way as they probably did when it first came out. But I think from us, from what its objective was, was to parody Bond. I think with the the hit ratio of the amount of of jokes in there for me is is great. I think it's it's fantastic. It's the concept and it nailed character. You know the powers and Doctor Evil. Brilliant performances from Mike Myers. The music, as Steve said, I meant to mention that earlier, is brilliant. I generally think they've somehow crafted the the middle the line between what sounds like a Bond theme but also has a slight whimsical comedic element to it and then at times darker as well where it needs to be it serves the scene's purpose really well color palette's fantastic uh, and the sort of you know some of the so-called action scenes and things like that all really all are great stuff yeah I just love it and my my Bond kind of fandom has definitely helped that especially having watched all of the Bond films and then seeing pretty much the or the the genesis of all of the jokes uh, taken in the, to Austin Powers I think is great so 
yeah it was a it was a fun rewatch and i think it's a shame because comedy films would never usually get looked at as five star films i think i think that's why they never get looked at for oscars and things like that because they are seen as a bit less deep less kind of you know sort of sort of you can't you can't like get into nitty-gritty and theme and things like that the way that you would for other like drama films and stuff like that well but i think bear in mind think to, of, just to slightly interject right i think there's a distinction in comedy between original comedy and parody yeah true so, there's, there's definitely know. obviously yeah but i think most com- best comedies are kind of parodies like for me the top comedy is airplane and that's obviously a parody of the sort of disaster films that were coming out about then um with other things as well but it was again parody and i think some of the best ones have been parodies um and i think when i think of some of my favorite comedies this is up there uh so from a level of thinking of five star comedies this is it now obviously when you look at five star films and you put the godfather next to austin powers there is a bit of a kind of head spin moment you're like oh wow okay but i'm thinking in the line of comedies for me this is up there and that's why i would give it the five stars yeah i I can't believe i can't believe we're we're nearly comparing the godfather and (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i thought i'd get that in there you know i was like oh my goodness yeah fredo yeah (laughs) yeah i think it's it's that kind of point you have to make because i think nobody would look at any comedy really in that same way but i'm thinking in the line of well that's that's why you have categories isn't it i mean it's not like you know the legend of zelda ocarina of time got 98 percent in n64 magazine doesn't make it like comparable to you know citizen kane the movie you know but like it's in that review of the game the guy did say jez bickham his name was this is this yeah this is (laughs) the Citizen Kane of video games at the time. That's what he said. It's changed the game, you know. So there's mm. com- that's why you have categories, don't you? You have, like, best comedy, best thingy, best whatever. Because some things are, are not really compa- like comparable to one another in terms of... It becomes ridiculous, doesn't it, to put them beside each other? Because, you know, it's it would be like, you know, running in with party hats and party poppers to a funeral. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like you know like the loud music playing clowns and stuff like some things just don't mix but they can still be of the same quality yeah so me that's that's kind of my uh rationale there for the very high score for this film i generally love I tell it. you what we're, it was a, we've had some proper actual good rationale for like who who knew austin powers generate such intellectual chat there you go i know and that will conclude this month's film review so that was has been fun guys we will be back next month for another spoiler special deja review (laughs) 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 very very good sorry sorry and right, yeah. somebody press the button and send scott down into the final <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. uh yep so join us then listen to all our other stuff on apple podcast spotify soundcloud and any other um apps that you use that we may should be on there check the website out capiche.online that's k-a-p-e-s-h there's uh, all the rest of our content film reviews game reviews things like that lots there to see we're over a hundred podcast as well which is insane and so yeah give it a listen give us the odd like share all that kind of stuff tell your friends tell your family you know i just have to say right for whoever is actually listening to this right now and listening to these words that we don't actually know right genuinely you should send us a message or an email or something because it would be good to hear from people that listen 
that we are maybe not aware of. I mean, we'd love to shout people out on this, wouldn't we? Yep, we'd love absolutely. to say Very true. we had this comment from someone or someone said something. So if you are listening to us and you're just a faceless person out there that we don't know, make yourself uh, known and, you know, hi. maybe we could always come on and... Uh, don't scare them, you know, Fran. Love... Don't scare them, Fran. You're... Come on and we'll get you on. We'll get you on and we'll, get, we'll give you the Jeremy Paxman treatment. Yeah. <laughs> now you've scared them off. Is, is that great. his name? Jeremy Paxman? Have I got that right? Yeah. 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 Okay, thanks guys. We will be back <laughs> next month. I will choose the next film. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, hmm, let me think. Hmm. We all love Mortal Kombat Annihilation, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, okay, cool. Well, we'll, we'll uh, be back for that. Of course, we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the next film catch-up as well of what we've been watching from cinema films released as well as streaming services. So lots to come. See you then. Thanks again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.